Bible, the Bible matters, right? The Bible matters. This book uh, that I've got here in my hand, it matters. And as the guy in the video said, guys, open your Bibles, because that's what he said, so we should open our Bibles, right? Okay. Um, but this series is about the Word of God and why the Word of God is important. Now, let's be honest. Whom of you have read this book front to back? All right, some of you, well done. But this book is intimidating. There's stuff in this book that is intimidating. There's stuff in this book which I skip over sometimes because I don't necessarily want to read that today. A friend of mine, I won't name names, <coughs> Marielle, said that she sometimes struggled to, to preach about certain things because when you preach about it, you put yourself under the same um, almost like conviction. Um, like I cannot preach about something that I'm not living in my own life. That'll be super hypocritical, right? Um, and sometimes we don't necessarily want to preach about some things because it needs to be true in my own life as well. So this word is super intimidating. But he said that if we're in the Bible one time a week, and that could be you sitting, sitting in church and opening up your Bible Bible or your app and getting into the word, it has a negligible effect on your life. Um, and then sometimes, like even two times a week, negligible. And, and then Christianity starts to be confusing because I'm reading my Bible, but my my life is not feeling more stable. I'm not feeling more confident in my relationship with God. In contrast, sometimes it's the opposite effect um, because there's not a deep rootedness in the Word of God. And, and this whole series is about helping us to understand why the Bible is good. Even the parts that you struggle to agree with, it's good. Um, but also that the Bible is true. And, when, and tonight we're going to focus a little bit on what they've spoke about in the video as well, that there's this positive effect that takes place in our lives when we spend time in God's Word. So, a quick recap for those of you who are here for the first time. You can also go and watch or follow up on the messages online, highfeld.online forward slash sermons, and you'll be able to get all of the messages there. But a quick recap. So, week one, we spoke about the Word that creates. All right? And Philip Pretoria spoke about Almost like setting the theme that God is the creator. He is the author of life. Nothing exists apart from God. By His words, the universe was formed. And that His word is the creating force in the universe. And when we submit our lives under the creator, we also see the word having a creating effect in our own lives. You guys follow? All right. Then week two, the word can be trusted. Now, when God calls you to submit your life under the authority of Scripture, meaning that you take the authority of Scripture as the highest authority, that's quite daunting. So a natural question would be, okay, but how do I know I can trust the Bible? How do I know that this book is actually true? And that's what week two was all about. Um, and the aspect of truth or the aspect of reliability and trustworthiness of the Bible also speaks about truth. So... The Bible eliminates the idea that you can have your truth and I have my truth as long as it works for you, right? Like there's that popular notion where truth is relative. So you have your truth, I have my truth, and as long as it works, let's live in harmony together. But the Bible eliminates that notion that it doesn't leave room for that. And if the Bible doesn't say that there is relative truth, then it logically follows that Christianity doesn't leave room for that, right? Because Christianity is based on the Bible. Now, uh, Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a truth. Jesus didn't come and say, 
this is a way for you to follow, but this is the way to follow. So that's quite a bold statement from Jesus. Then last week, Andre spoke about the word becoming flesh. Um, and I love this aspect. And if you missed last week's sermon, please do go and listen to it. But the whole question of why, why did the word become flesh? Why did God leave his throne? Why did God leave a place that is perfect and without sin to come into a broken story, a broken world full of sin? Not to condemn us, not to bring further judgment upon people, not to make you feel more bad about where your life is at, but the exact opposite. Jesus says in John 3 verse 17 that I did not come to condemn the world, but to liberate people, to bring liberation and freedom for people who are already condemned. So that was the purpose of the word becoming flesh. Um, and I love this, that if you read your Bible, then you get into a discovery of God's character. And you get to discover that God is good. God is perfect. God is holy. Um, there's even parts specifically in the Old Testament and, and in the book of Acts where you'll read something and people would touch the holy presence of God, the ark of God, the covenant or like the, in which they carried the, the covenant of God. And then they would fall dead. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's a scary thought, right? And when we think about God, thinking coming into His presence, if He is that holy, then there's almost like a space of, I don't know how close I can get to God. But that's the whole beauty of the Word becoming flesh, that it's not you and me trying to get closer to God, but God coming to us. This perfect, this holy um, God stepping into this world, becoming flesh so that we can know Him. And even though the Word has the standard, the Word can sympathize with your weakness. The Word can have compassion on you. The Word can understand what you're going through because Jesus Himself went through all these things. And then tonight we are speaking about living the Word. So not just as the Word now come close to us, but now the Word starts to live through us. Are you guys ready? All right. Are you guys okay with being challenged tonight a little bit? Like, I know that we love our comfort zones, right? There's this image where there was a circle um, that says your comfort zone and then a little dot outside of your comfort zone. And it says, that's where the magic happens. Okay, you guys ready for that? Turn to the person next to you uh, and let's just pray for the word tonight. Pray that God will come and speak to us. Doesn't have to be a long prayer. Doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It doesn't have to be a religious prayer. Let's just ask God to come and speak to us. Yes, Holy Spirit, we, we just want to come and invite you to come and speak to us right now. We pray that as we get into your word, that your word will take shape in our hearts and that you will speak your life-giving word to us. We come and acknowledge, Lord, that by your word, the universe was created. And tonight we want to come and ask that your word will also create in us that your word will also come and speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you shouted something else, that would have been awkward. <laughs> All right, so you can open your Bible at John chapter 15. If you've got your Bible here, you can wave it. If you've got your app, you can open it. <laughs> John chapter 15. And we'll be spending the majority of our time just in that chapter tonight. Now, John chapter 15 actually forms part of a collection of, of messages that Jesus tells us from John chapter 13. And in this, these collections of messages, he speaks a lot about 
really knowing Him, um, Him going away, but giving us the Holy Spirit, that His Spirit will be with us, that we will not be left alone. But then He touches a lot on the aspect of love and obedience and His Word. And like I said, we're going to be spending a lot of time in John chapter 15, but I want to read one verse for you so long, just to get you excited. So Jesus says, by this, everyone say, by this. All right, Tessa, say, by this. Tessa, luister die vir my nie. Luister sy vir julle. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so proving to be my disciples. So the goal the reason why you and I are still here, um, Jesus unpacks this. He says that the Father will be glorified, that through our lives, that the Father will be glorified. We have a mission statement as every nation globally, and it starts with, we exist to, to honor God. Friends, that's the goal, that by all of our lives, that God will be glorified, that He will be honored by our speech, our thinking, our behaviors, our relationships, by our choices, that God will be glorified. Then he says that our lives will bear much fruit, that our lives will bear fruit that um, replicate the kingdom of God, that there's a space when people look at our lives and the fruit that our lives bear, that they'll be able to see, but this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And then Jesus says, when we do this, when we bear fruit, the Father is glorified, and through our fruit bearing, we will be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, that's quite a, a loaded statement right there, right? That, that's the goal of your life as you're sitting here tonight, that your life will bear much fruit, that through your fruit bearing, Jesus will be glorified, and in that, your life will be shown to be a true disciple of Jesus. Now, Mark 1 verse 17, and you don't have to go there, you can stay at John 15, and those of you who are in our connect groups, our small groups during the week will know this passage off by heart. Mark 1 verse 17 says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you become fishers of men. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you become fishers of men. And in this passage, we see Jesus touching on two important things. One, identity. So he calls these fishermen the not good enoughs. Um, those who were not good enough to become students of a rabbi. He calls them to become disciples of Jesus Christ. So he changes their identity, but he says to them, I will make you become fishers of men. I'm going to change your purpose. Right now you are fishing for fish so that you can put food on your table and be part of your, almost like your way of contributing to society. But I'm going to change that and I'm going to make you become a fisher of men that your life will count for something much more. So he speaks about purpose. Now, a follower of Jesus equals a disciple equals a Christian. And I want us to follow, right? So there is no such thing as a Christian and then you get a disciple. It's almost like I'm a Christian, but I do know some disciples and they're radical. Like they just, they just read the Bible and they obey everything. They don't question it. I'm, a, I'm just a Christian. <laughs> There is no such thing. The, the word Christian wasn't something that Christians gave themselves. There was a space where people would look at the life of a disciple and they would see that this person's life reflected the life of Jesus, the life and teachings of Jesus. And then they would say, that person's a Christian because of the way they lived. And it, wasn't, it didn't start off being a, a compliment. So, 
Jesus says, come follow me, be my disciple, follow after me, imitate me, pattern after me, let my life fill yours. All right? Now, when we're going to go into John 15, then there's this space where Jesus is going to call us to respond in a certain way. But I want us to keep in mind the message from last week, that Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. So when God calls us tonight, it's not from a space of condemning, but it's a space of response to what He has already done. So I want you to keep that in your mind. But something that is important for us is that God did not enter into our stories so that we can continue in that story. Does that make sense? Your life was headed one way, and then God entered your story, not for the purpose of your life just continuing in that story, but He came to make us part of His story. He came to make us part of His story, and that is important. Because sometimes we can almost be in a space where we think, God has now come into my life, and the purpose of all of this, the purpose of Christianity is that I can continue with my life, I can continue with my dreams, I can continue with all of the things I want to achieve in life, but I'll just be less anxious. I'll just have to, I can worry less because I've got Jesus with me. I can be less angry. Um, whom of you are, are thankful that God makes some people less angry? All right? <laughs> yes, Marielle. <laughs> All right? Uh, to be better people, to continue in our stories, um, and we get to do the things we want to do, and we just get to tag Jesus along with wherever we're going. Um, and it's almost like Him joining us in finishing the chapters that we were busy writing. But friends, you've got to understand that the story that you were on was leading to death and destruction. And, and I think unless we realize that Jesus came to save us, not just to be an, be an addition to our lives or to make something that is broken better, but He came to make what is dead alive, there is no space where you want to continue in your story. But Jesus comes and He makes you part of His story. He removes us from our storyline and He adds us to His, which is an eternal storyline. And that means it transcends beyond your grave. That when you die, and we all will die, that there's a life that extends beyond the grave. And apart from understanding this, Christianity won't make much sense. I had a conversation with a, a guy a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I had the conversation with you as well, Louis, but it was with someone else. But um, let's think about COVID, okay? Whom of you are over COVID? All right? So over it. <laughs> um, but now we're thinking, yes, God, okay, and I'm, I'll speak from my own perspective, leading the church, thinking about the congregation, thinking about you guys, are you guys okay? How's everybody doing? Do they still have jobs? Are they still cared for? Are they reading their Bibles? Are they standing strong? Um, and it's a daunting thought, and then to think, like, I don't know if COVID's going to be here still next year and the year after and the year after. It's like, okay, but we've got to have faith. We've got to get into the Bible, and then at the end of the year, we set new goals for next year, and we go again. And then we go again, and then we go again. And it's like, no, God, there's got to be more to life than that. There's got to be more to life than us just trying to make it through this year and the next year and the next year. But unless we understand that Christianity makes us part of a storyline that is eternal, the things that this book teaches you will be too unconventional. It'll be too countercultural. 
it'll be too against the popular notion that you want to have your best life now and you want to achieve the greatest things now, that in this life you want to have the truest expression and experience of joy and happiness. You see, the Bible tells us a couple of things that, that Christianity that is focused on this life only struggles to resonate with. For instance, if you strive to keep your life, you will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will gain it. That's a lack of scripture. It is better to give than to receive, right? Not on my birthday, <laughs> which is the 3rd of October. Um, <laughs> Blessed are the poor, the meek, the humble. Here's my favorite scripture in the Bible. Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. Do not store up treasures for yourselves in, 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 in this life but rather store up treasures in heaven. Love your enemies. That was a misprint. <laughs> During your most anxious, difficult times, the Bible doesn't tell you to do more. It calls you to pray. That seems so stupid. Like, no, we need to do something. But Jesus says, no, pray. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. You see, there's a couple of things that this Bible teaches us that when we hold on to our lives and we, we say that this life is the fullest expression of my relationship with God, then there's so many things in this Bible that your heart will struggle to understand. And then Christianity will not make sense. Christianity will be difficult for you to live out. Now, if we go back to John 15, we are called to be disciples of Jesus. We are called to bear much fruit so that God will be glorified so that we prove that we are true disciples of Jesus. Okay, you guys still excited to be in church tonight? That's good. I promise you there's good news. <laughs> How? How do we live lives that Jesus speaks about here in John 15? How do we live lives that bear much fruit? How do we live lives that honor God? How do we live lives that show that we are truly disciples of Jesus? John 15, verse 1 to 10. So I'm going to read for us, and you can follow on the board. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll, it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Now we can spend weeks just preaching through this passage here. And the good news is next week, ach, next year, when we start our um, global prayer and fasting theme, the theme is abide. So we'll go deeper into this next year as well. 
But there's a couple of things that I want to pull out just from this text tonight. And, and I want to encourage you, go and read John 15. Go and spend some time on it. So I'm going to touch just on a couple of things. The first one is Jesus starts off and he says, I am the true vine. That means that there are vines that you can add yourself to that is not the true vine. Just as a side note. But verse 3, Jesus says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And this settles a very, very important foundation as we go into the rest of John chapter 15. Because Jesus calls them now to abide and to bear fruit. And he speaks about branches that will be cut off and that will be burned in the fire. But he says to his disciples, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And we need to understand that there's a gospel message that Andre spoke about last week, that is a word from God that has already been spoken over your life, that there is a space where your sins are forgiven. There's a space where God has stepped into your story to give you new life, to give you an eternal hope, an eternal security. And he's reminding his disciples that there is a word that he has already spoken over them that still remains firm. And for you and me, there's a space where we need to remind ourselves that there is a word of God that stands firm. There is a word of God that is spoken over your identity, that is spoken over your purpose, that is spoken over your past that God has dealt with that stands firm. And from this space of security, we continue. Jesus then goes on in, chapter five, in verse 5 and he says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So here's the concept, all right? Those of you that have maybe grown up on a farm or walked through a vineyard where it was grapes or strawberries or whatever, if you walk through the strawberry field or the grape, what do you call it? The vineyard. <laughs> I wanted to say the grape field. Um, the grape fields. Then you walk. And as you walk, you hear these noises, right? It sounds like... Mm. No, guys, not your home. We're talking about the vineyard, right? You hear these noises. Mm. And as you investigate, you find that it is basically there by the branch, how the branch is trying to produce fruit. Like it's really trying, it's so hard to produce fruit. But that's what we sometimes sound like as Christians. We try so hard to produce good fruit, but that's what we sound like, guys. Jesus says, I am the vine. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, because the source of the fruit bearing is Jesus himself. When you are a part of Christ, Christ lives in you. He says, if you abide in me, I abide in you. It's not so much you becoming part of Jesus and you pressing in to be in Jesus. It's Jesus becoming part of you. It's always Jesus becoming part of you. And Christ is formed in you. Christ starts to live through you. And the result of that is you will bear fruit. If Jesus is living in you, if he is formed inside of you, if he is the firm foundation that is established in you, your life will bear fruit. And I promise you that you guys have testified to this as well in your own life, that there are certain areas of your life that if you were to reflect back and say, 
wow, my life is different. I'm not the same person as I used to be. Sometimes we struggle to see it and we need our friends to tell us, hey, you're not the same as you used to be. Because when we follow Jesus and He is formed inside of us, our lives will bear fruit. You do not have to try and perform something to bear fruit. When Christ is formed in you, you will bear fruit. Verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, we love that second part of the scripture, right? We put that on coffee mugs and um, rulers and um, fridge magnets. Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. (laughs) If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Now, friends, there is no abiding in Christ apart from his word. It's when you spend time in the Word of God. It's not so much you reading your Bible, but your Bible reads you. It's not so much you becoming strong in the Word. It's the Word becoming strong in you. As you spend time in Scripture, this Word is formed in your life. I think we touched on this in week one, that you don't always even have to understand what the Scripture is saying. As long as you have a position of surrender and humility to acknowledge that the Word of God is the truth, it'll take shape in your life. And sometimes you'll only see the fruit of what you've read this week, next year. The storms we're going through today, many of you were prepared for that, not because you read your Bible this morning, but because you've been reading your Bible last year. We don't read our Bibles in crisis alone. Like you don't both strengthen your foundations in the crisis, in the storm. You strengthen your foundations for when the storm comes. And that's when we start to see that the Word of God is bearing fruit in our lives, that it takes shape in our lives. And here's the powerful truth that Jesus then continues. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. How many of you have had prayers unanswered? You've asked for stuff, and then Jesus didn't give it to you. And none of, some of it was material, let's be honest. All right, You asked for a new car when you already had one. Um, but some of it was real stuff, like deeper stuff. Not so much material stuff. And here's what happens. As the Word is formed in your life, this Word will cleanse you. The Word will wash you. It will sanctify you. That's a big Bible word, but it basically means it will purify you. I cannot preach with that cuteness. (laughs) That's fine, Andre. Yeah. Um, You guys will just pay no attention to me, but it's fine. When you're in your word, the word will wash you clean. It will purify you. And it will form Christ in you. Christ is perfect. Christ is pure. Christ is holy. And as you abide in the word of God, the word of God will cleanse you. And as you are cleansed, as you are purified, your prayers are purified. And then when you pray from that space, you are praying more and more in line with what Scripture teaches. Your prayers will be answered. You see, the Bible teaches that not all of our prayers are answered. Not everyone who prays will receive an answer from God. The Bible says that when you pray only for your own selfish interests, your prayers are hindered. The Bible teaches that when a husband is undermining his wife, his prayers will be hindered. The Bible teaches that if you say you love God, but you have no care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the needy, your prayers are hindered. 
But when you abide in the Word of God and the Word of God is shaped in your life, your prayers will be answered. When the Word of God takes shape in our life, when the Word of God is formed in our lives, we have fruitful prayer lives. And then verse 7, if you abide in me and my words, sorry, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We touched on it earlier that there's no distinction between a Christian and a disciple. Friends, being a Christian is not a Facebook status. It's not something that you tick on a box when you go to vote or whatever form you've got to sign when you ascribe your religious views. Being a Christian means you follow after Jesus. You pattern your life after the life of Christ. You allow your life to be overtaken by Christ and by His Word. Christ is formed in you. You are His disciple. Therefore, you are a Christian. And when we follow Christ, when we pattern our lives after Christ, our lives will bear fruit. And then we will glorify God. And we will prove that we truly are followers of Jesus. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And I love this. So often we approach the Bible, and, and maybe this is down to the way that many of us were brought up. Like, I remember um, still in high school, like five, six years ago. <laughs> but, like, I would go to church, and um, on my way to church... I would almost already, in my mind, make up the list of things I would be condemned about today, especially if they read the Ten Commandments, like, mm, guilty, mm, guilty, mm, guilty. And you walk away on the sun, it's like, okay, this week I just got to try better. This week I just got to do more. Um, and I was forced to go to church because in boarding school, they had road call if you didn't go, so they would call your name over the intercom. Um, so I didn't have the option of feeling too guilty to go to church, so I had to go, so I just had to sit there. But then we grow up in a, in a space where we take this Bible as a list of do's and don'ts. And the goal of Christianity is just for you to do better. And there's a lot of things that you must obey. And if you don't obey, just be careful. God is watching you. <laughs> but friends, that's not the gospel. Jesus says, abide in my love. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. God is calling you into a space where He wants to love on you. Where He wants to love on you. The, the aspect of love and then the response to love is almost like the two spaces. Where God is saying, there is something that I have done for you that you don't have to do. It's already been done. That positions you in my love. But now you respond to that. In trusting Him. We respond to God's love by trusting Him. And what does trust look like? We do what He says. If you trust God, you will obey Him. If you trust Him, you will do what He says. John 14 verse 21 says, now this is just the chapter before obviously. And Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, whoever keeps my word, he it is who loves me. So how is our love for God manifested? How is it shown? How is it revealed? By keeping His commandments, by obeying His word. And then Jesus says this, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. I love this. 
There's a space where Jesus is inviting you to say, if you trust me, do what I say. Go where I show you. Obey my words. And when you do, I will reveal myself to you. Do you want to have a greater revelation, a greater view of who Jesus is? Do you want to walk with a deeper understanding of who Jesus is? Because that is the only thing that will sustain you for the rest of your life, is knowing Jesus. This is eternal life, to know God and the one whom He has sent, His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the thing that will sustain you for the rest of your life, to know Jesus. Do you want to know Him more? Obey Him. And we can all almost like, uh, in retrospect, we can, we can see this in our own lives as well, that there were spaces in your life where God called you to do something, and in that moment you were really not keen to do it. But when you obeyed, you could see the benefit of trusting Jesus. Most of you probably were in a relationship at one stage in your life, and then that relationship didn't work out, and you're like, I have zero purpose to live anymore. My life is meaningless. I can die now. And now five years later, you realize, wow, God, you knew better. In retrospect, it's easy to see that, right? So maybe we should do life in reverse. But friends, God is calling you to trust Him. And this is the invitation that when you take that step of trust, which manifests itself in obedience, God shows you that He is good. He shows you that He is faithful. He shows you that He is trustworthy. He shows you that the promises in His Word are true for you. You see, sometimes we stand on this side of the promise and we want to see that promise come into existence in our lives, but we're not willing to step into the promise by obeying what Jesus tells us to do. When you obey, Jesus promises that you will discover more of Him. What happens when you discover more of Jesus? You trust Him more. What happens when you trust Him more? You obey Him more. What happens when you obey Him more? He reveals more of Himself to you. So why is all of this important? All right? If you read the, book, the stories of Jesus, because sometimes people would fall into this trap of saying, Old Testament Christianity, New Testament Christianity. Old Testament, God is angry, you must do. New Testament, Jesus just loves us. Jesus spoke so much about obedience. So why? Why is the aspect of God's Word, knowing the Word of God and obeying the Word of God, so important? I want to read one quick portion from 1 Kings. Um, 1 Kings chapter 13. So there's the story in the book of 1 Kings where there's a prophet going to um, a certain uh, area. Let's call it a city or a nation, and I'm not going to go into all the detail. But he goes to prophesy, and there weren't many men of God there. But God gives him very clear instructions that after you've visited them, do not go the same way that you came. Do not stay with them. Do not eat with them. Do not drink with them. Go another way. All right? So this is the command that God gives this prophet. And as he goes, as he goes, um, another prophet comes along, an older man. And this prophet now says to this prophet, and he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with, with me, with you, into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And then it's like this, but he lied to him. And it's like, um, those of you who maybe watched Malcolm in the Middle or watched that story's name, it's like, I am also sent by God. I'm lying. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> but he lied to him. So then this prophet now says, well, if God said it, then it means I can come and eat and drink. 
But then the result of that we see in, in verse 24. As he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Because it wasn't the word of the Lord. So friends, disobedience to the word of God leads to destruction. Disobedience to the word of God leads to death. And, and some will be deceived. Some will be lied to. The Bible is very clear on that. In the end, people will be deceived. People will fall away from the faith. Many will try to lie to you. Society will definitely try to lie to you. We need to understand that the culture in the world and the culture in the Bible is not the same. There's a reason why the message of Jesus led to him being crucified. They didn't like it because it showed a different way to life, a different way to live. So society will try to lie to you. The music you listen to will try to lie to you. The movies you watch will try to lie to you. Your boyfriend will try to lie to you. If you love me, you will give yourself to me completely. Your job. If you just give us so many years, then you will retire well. And even some well-meaning family and friends will lie to you. Not necessarily from a space of wanting to hurt you, but sometimes well-meaning people will lie to you. Maybe your friends will come and say, listen, if this marriage doesn't make you happy anymore, maybe it's better for you to just get out because you got to do what makes you happy. You look after you, girl. Like, I don't know how they say it. <laughs> but they'll lie to you. But then in the book of James, it goes on and it also says that some will even deceive themselves. So some will be deceived. Some will be lied to, but some will lie to themselves. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 4, Paul writes and he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Friends, we have been in that time. They will not endure sound teaching, but have each spirit will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Your passions will leave, lead you away from the Word of God. And then the scary thing is you, if you want to live your best life now and you want to live a comfortable life and retire with a lot of money, you can take a portion of the Scripture and just manipulate it the way you want. Where Jesus says, um, abide in me and abide in my Word and your prayers will be answered. We can just take that second portion of the Scripture. My prayers will be answered and then we take a photo of what we want. We name it, frame it, claim it. Here's another one. You start a new business, or you are starting a new job, or you're in a new relationship, or whatever it is, and then this is the tagline scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul wrote that when he was smelling the, the Christians being burned under Emperor Nero. He was speaking about obeying government officials. Because of Christ, I can do all things. I can even obey corrupt officials because of Christ. It's not our scripture that we get to claim to all of our own endeavors. Then there's another one that's on all the mugs as well. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And then we're like, God has such a great plan for me. That scripture wasn't written to individuals. As an individual, you cannot claim that promise. It was written to the people of God. It is written to people of God. And sometimes we run on this tangent and we think, no, I can have this solo relationship with God. Not according to the Bible. 
Some will be deceived, and some will deceive themselves. And I want to conclude with this, and the band can come up. Wrapped around John chapter 15, we see two incredible statements by Jesus. John 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. On the one side, Jesus says, I give you my peace. I give you peace. My friends, some of you are desperately looking for peace. You might be in a relationship that is not lacquer. You need peace. You might be in a space at your work where there's a lot of tension and you need peace. You might be facing loss where someone that you know maybe passed away because of COVID or whatever. And you need peace. Your heart is in turmoil. Maybe you need peace in your mind. You're facing a depression in your mind or in your heart. And you have a desperate need for peace. But Jesus comes and He says, I'm not giving you peace like the world gives. I'm not giving you something temporary. I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving you my peace. And that peace gives you a place of assurance because the greatest peace that you can and ever need or want in your life is to have peace with your Creator. Knowing that when you stand before God, you are no longer condemned. That is the greatest peace that your heart can long for, to have peace with God. And Jesus gives you that. He says, I'm going to position you in peace, real peace. Then John 15 verse 11, these things, what we just spoke about now, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You were designed by God to have peace and joy. But friends, nothing in this world can give it to you. You might find a sense of fulfillment in your relationship or in your work or in your bank balance, in your career, whatever it is that you do. But it's temporary. It'll fade away. But Jesus comes and He says, I'm going to give you Joy, real joy, joy that cannot be taken away by circumstances, joy that cannot be taken away by you losing your job or being retrenched or taking a pay cut, joy that cannot be influenced by COVID, joy that cannot be influenced by losing someone that you love, joy that cannot be influenced by just circumstances, emotions, whatever it might be, something permanent. And all of this, this whole sermon series that we've been busy with, to get into the Word of God is so that Christ can be formed in you so that you can live a life that is full of joy and peace. And friend, the world out there is desperately in need of the people of God to show them a way towards having peace and joy. And that's our job as the church. So we're going to respond with a song called, Here's My Heart, Lord. And I want you to, you can sit, you can stand, you can lie on the floor if you want. If you're at home, you're probably more comfortable lying on the floor than here. But I want you just to open your heart to God. As I was praying just into tonight and praying for all of you, I want you to really know that God loves you. Some of you do not believe it. God really loves you. His intentions towards you are good. And I want you tonight to bring your heart before God and say, God, here's my heart. Speak what is true. Would you just allow God to come and speak to you right now? And then we'll pray from there.